Welcome to our Pini. This is Saratoba Best. We are in Parshas Vayigash, and we're dealing with the question of how to act when we're in the last seconds of Golos vis-a-vis the nations of the world when they seem to be oppressing us. What do we do? And so the Rebbe is saying, this is Parshas Vayigash, Tavshin and Base. The Rebbe is saying, we're just going to jump over a bunch of parts, that um, Tyra is a, is a Hira. For for every every time, and so here we are in a situation. Vayigash, Parshas Vayigash, has two a, a beginning that's totally different from the end because you're in the showdown between Yehuda, the king of the Jews, facing, as we said yesterday, facing um, the king of the of the non-Jewish world, Paro, his representative, or so it's seemed, and who who has to depend on whom. Who is in charge? The king of Paro's in charge. Yehuda has to beg. So on top, so to speak, is, is Paro. On the bottom, coming and begging for what he needs is Yehuda. Okay? So the Parsha starts off with, they have the power, we do not. The end is different. In the end, we take over the land. We're giving, given the best part of the land. And the Haftira is all about as it says, take a stick, write to Yehuda, take another stick, write to Yisef, and put the two together. And in the end, these two sticks come together, and um, the, the, all the world, all the nations come together, and all these realities come together. I make them into one nation, and who will be the one on top in, in command? The one who in, before was not in command, meaning... Yehuda, David Amelech, is the one who's begging to the powers that be. And in the future, Yehuda will be the one who's in charge. The David Avdi Nasi Lehem Le'aylam. Together with this idea, together with the prediction that the whole Jew- non-Jewish world will know that I am Yudke Vavke, I am Hashem, this will come along with a reality in which David HaMelech has the full power. David Malcolm HaMashiach. Yehuda. Yaakov Avinu. And what about Asa? What about Paro? No. Now, of course, we know. Um, we know that the as we as we move forward in this scenario, we know that it turns out that this Paro representative is really... Yosef, our brother, which changes everything. But um, a main a main um, point that the Rebbe brings out here is the following: in spite of the fact that Yehuda had to beg for his brother, for his brother to be given back to them. And he was begging for essentially the lives of his whole family and the life of his father. He knew that his father could not sustain having lost both Yosef and Binyamin. If Binyamin has to stay in Mitzrayim, then Yaakov Avinu will not be able to sustain, sustain this very difficult blow. So essentially Yehuda is coming to the ruler of the world and saying, we're begging you for our father's life, life. We're begging you for our lives. Normally, when you're doing that, 
you're going to be very, a person will be very passive and just in a begging mood, acknowledging you are the king, I have to beg you for what I need. And really, in a way, Yehuda did that. He said, be a dainai, please, my, a dainai, please, my master, without you, power, no one, <clears throat> you are second in command to power, no one can lift a hand. And he's acknowledging, yes, you, you are standing in the position of the ruler of the world. You are Yisuf, sorry, you are Paro's second in command. On the other hand, Yehuda is standing up with, as the Rebbe says, chutzpah and breitkeit, with a, a broadness of spirit, um, just a feeling of, um, of, um, you know, chutzpah and, and, as people will call it, entitlement. We Yidin are often <clears throat> in these days um, accused of a feeling of entitlement, right? It's a word that I, I, I never heard about as I was growing up, entitlement. And I only started hearing about it 10 years ago. And it seems like in the hipster world, it's a very ugly word, entitlement. Uh, and I've had run-ins with that as a Jew. They say, you know, you have this attitude of entitlement. We just feel like you have, you know, you feel like you're entitled to things. You have this attitude of the feeling of entitlement. So it, it seems to be an ugly concept in the world. So here's Yehuda teaching us to stand there with a feeling of entitlement. I expect you, the ruler of the world, to give me my brother, and I will take nothing less. So. What's this all about? Because this is, and remember that this is all connected to Hey Tavis, this is the template for uh, an entirely new way that a Jew has to step into, which is probably a feeling of entitlement, right? To Much to the chagrin of all the hipster world. Um, wh- what's going on? So the Rebbe is saying this strength of Vayigashalav Yehuda, Yehuda approaching with such power, was according to the idea that he didn't think he was facing his brother, obviously. He didn't think he was facing Yisif. He thought he was facing, uh, you know, the ruler of the world. And the truth is, though, that afterwards, when everything turned around, and Yehuda found out, and everyone found out, that this is Yisuf. It's a whole other thing. This is your brother. You're not facing the ruler of the world. You're facing your own brother, your own flesh and blood. You're not facing a non-Jewish king. You're facing a Jewish king. Yehuda is one type of, has one level of kingship among the Jewish people, and Yisuf has another. They represent different aspects. Yehuda is Malchus, and Yosef is Yisait, and all the, everything above it. Chesed Gvur Tiferes Netzachayid Yisait, one package, all embodied by Yosef. The masculine energy. And Yehuda is Malchus, the recept, the receiver. Yisait is the sun energy, the giver, the mashpia. And Malchus is the receiver, the moon, the feminine energy. So the truth is that after it was revealed 
after it became known to everybody that this wasn't the non-Jewish ruler, this was Yisav, what happened? Um, we were given the best of the land. And this, this power of give, being given the best of the land came because of Yisav. On a practical level, when Para understood, found out, these 12 guys, these, these, these guys, they're your brothers? This is your family? I always wondered where you came from. Wow, this is your family? Give them the best of the land. It's because, guys, if you are my second in command, this is your family, I want to give your family the best, best of the land. Which means we got this because of Yisuf. What we got in Gullus and what we get, what we're given in Gullus, how we live in Gullus, is with the assistance of Yisuf, the Yisuf of the generation. In the schutz of Yisuf, that's how it happened. So we also want to know, what's about the Haftarah? How come in the Parsha, as we said, Yehuda is begging, he's the receiver, he's the small one, he has to ask for favors. And in the Haftarah, Yehuda is the ruler. The David Avdi Since Yaisav Tzadik really, as it turns out later, is the Balabayas in Mitzrayim, and we found out later, it seems like it's the opposite of the Haftarah. You know, in this, if, at the, so it turns out Yaisav is the one who makes everything happen. That's the Parsha. The Haftarah says, in the end of days in Geula, Yehuda is the one that makes everything happen. So, let's say it one other way. According to the truth that Yisuf Asadik is the ruler of the, of the, the land, that brings out, so Yisuf brings out the strength of the Jew in Mitzrayim. And really in our generation too. Yaisif Yitzchak, you know, the Rebbe Rayat brings out the strength of the Yidden in the land of Mitzrayim. In Gaulus, in America. How do we have as much as we have? Yaisif Hatzadik. Here we are, living in Mitzrayim. Yaisif Hatzadik makes, gets us the goodies. And once he gets us the goodies, we don't have to depend on the Yigashalab Yehuda. Yehuda doesn't have to come and beg. We're given the goodies automatically. Because Yaisaf of the generation arranges this. But since everything in Tyra is true and eternal, and then we have to ask ourselves this little scenario, the Yigashalab Yehuda, there's something to it. It's, it's a scene in Tyra that doesn't just fade away. There's something really profound to it. And the way Yehuda acts when he seems to have to be subservient to Paro, the way he acts creates, as the Rebbe says, The way Yehuda acts with, he does not back down. He's begging for his life. He's begging for his brother. He's begging for his father's life. He doesn't back down. 
I'm amazing. This attitude of his creates a chiddush, even relative to the power of Yisus at that time. In other words, let's say it like this. Wait a little, you know, we're reading the story of the Parsha. It's so scary. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Somebody read the Parsha last week, last year, so they come along and say, don't get nervous. I see that you're really nervous. Keep on reading. The story's going to get better. The story's going to get better, yeah. But it's the scariest moment. You know, in our case, we're a few weeks before the inauguration of the president. Oy vey, what's going to be? God forbid four years of absolute insanity run by, you know, whatever. We're not going to go into it. Terrifying. Run by anti-Torah values for four years, but in a way that, in a way that, through social media, etc., the most horrific destruction can come about when somebody's running the world through anti-Torah values. God forbid, God forbid. No, 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 don't worry. This seems like the darkest moment of history. Came so close to moving into Yemaisa Mashiach and then everything falls apart, God forbid, I'm talking about now. Somebody who knows the end of the story will say, don't get nervous. Keep on reading. It's going to get better. It's going to turn out that this guy that you have to beg that seems like your enemy, he's really your brother. Wow. So because he's your brother, then you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Things will work out because the enemy is really your brother. Here, they're ever saying a different thing. Besides that, that it turns out that the enemy is really your brother, there's another amazing thing, which is that the attitude of Yehuda also turns things around. Does everything turn around just because it turns out that the enemy is your brother? Partly. Then what else turns it around? The other part that turns it around is the attitude, the posture of Yehuda, of the Jew. A Jew, now, Yehuda is a Jew, Yehuda, Jew, right? But he's standing, he's standing in full Malchus. So what the Rebbe seems to be telling us is that when a Jew stands, a, a Jew can express himself as many different ways, you know, in a smaller way, in a medium way, in a bigger way. When a Jew steps into his full Malchus, you know, so who are you? I'm Yaakov Avinu. Oh, okay. Who are you? I'm Yehuda. When you call yourself a Jew, you call yourself Yehudi. That means you're calling yourself by the, the with the energy of a Jew who's standing in full Malchus. Full, proud, spark of Mashiach Malchus. That's you. When you do, without fear, and without apology, and without the need to back down. When we do that, it's not only Baruch Hashem, it turns out Hashem will help from above, and he'll make the enemy turn into our brother. Great. But there's something that seems to need to be done that makes that happen, that reveals to us, that's not our enemy, that's our brother. That's not our enemy, that's our ally. He wants to help us. 
How did we turn the enemy to, into the ally? It seems like the Rebbe is saying we step into our full malchus. And that turns the enemy into an ally. Pretty amazing. And dafka b'kayach, with this kayach, then then we are given the best part of the world, best part of the land. And that is a preparation for the davidav dinasi lehem la'ilam. That is a preparation for Geula. When David Melech is openly revealed as the leader for everybody, and everyone feels it, and everyone agrees. Even this, this idea that Yehuda was sent before we came down, before we, re, we settled in Mitzrayim, Yehuda was sent first to go to Gaishan to open a yeshiva, to make it into a holy place. He wasn't just going to, we weren't, sorry, we couldn't just go to Mitzrayim and just go there straight. It needed to be already a holy place. A place of yeshiva, a place of isyashvus, where Hashem is already settled in and revealing his Tyra. So Yehuda was sent to make that happen. And then we could go. You know, prepare the nest, and then the little chicks come and settle into the nest. So since Yosef was running Mitzrayim, and according to the command of Paro, he was told, give your father, Yaakov, and his sons the best of the land. So then again, we go back and forth. Why did we need Yehuda to make it into a nice, cozy, balabatashe yeshiva place? You understand, in other words, our Yeshua seems to be coming from two different places. The Yeshua seems to be coming from two different places. Paro says to Yosef, give your family the best place. On the other hand, Yehuda is going and taking care of it. So who's making this happen? Is it Yosef who's making this happen? Or is it Yehuda that's making this happen? And Yehuda and Yosef, they represent two different aspects of a Jew stepping into his, his malchus, his leadership. Of a, two different aspects of a Jew being Geuladic. So the Nakuda of the answer is, the power of a Jew, the, the taikas of a Jew in this world, in the time of Gullus, and all Malchus are called Mitzrayim, can be in two ways. How do you express your full strength as a Jew when you're in Gullus? One, one is that... Um, your power is only as much as is possible according to the rules of nature. The rules of nature will determine how much you can express your power, and especially in Gullus. The limitations of nature and the limitations of Gullus and the rules of the world will determine how much you can assume, you know, Mashiach leadership. You can go this far and then you'll bump up against the rules of nature, the rules of the land, the rules of Gullus, and you can only go so far. That's one way to express your power as a Jew in Gullus. The other way is you you completely go beyond all of those rules 
And you're higher than the world, you're higher than the nations, you're higher than Gullus. And you act with a power that goes beyond all of those rules. You're no longer bumping up against any of those limitations. You just, you know, power right through them. You even bypass them. And when you do, that gives you the kayak to change, to actually change the laws and the customs of the land. So you bypass all the limitations of the land and keep on going, but with pure Kedusha. And what it does is it actually enables you to change the laws of the land. So the power of Yehuda achieves that a Yid is not only a Maishal and Shilet, is not only a, bal- a ruler and a Balabayat over the non over the nations in Gullus. Again, to repeat, a Yid is a Balabayat and a ruler over the nations of the world in Gullus. Because Yehuda made it be that way. According to the rules of the world of Gullus. How do we know? There was Yosef. Yosef was the Balabayas over the nations of the world. Who was the strongest person in the world? Paro, the non-Jew. He ran the world. He ran the world. Really? Well, not really. Because he probably wasn't very smart. He wasn't. <laughs> so he appointed Yosef. <laughs> so Yosef was running the world. Who was running the world that we had to deal with? You know, there's a world, and you can't uh, you can't fight City Hall. Who was who was running City Hall? Was it Paro or was it Yosef? So that's what the encounter between the the brothers reveals. The Jew runs the world. He determines how things will go in a way that he's completely higher than it. So we're going to take a little journey for five or ten minutes into um, a different scenario. Mordechai, at the time of Purim, Achashverosh, and of course it was a pretty similar situation to Yehuda, um, because there we were under the rulership of Achashverosh. Wasn't Paro now was Achashverosh? Not like Hanukkah which is a different thing. You're talking about um, um, that was, Hanukkah was at the time of Bayashani, but Achashverosh was between the Batim. It wasn't really in the time of the Beis HaMikdash. So here we are in real Gullus. We had the Beis HaMikdash, then it was destroyed. That's real Gullus. And then there's Achashverosh, and he tells us, I run the, I run the show, you do not. And there we are. And then he has this evil monster, Haman, who wants us to bow. And then, add to the mix, Lahabdil, there's Mordechai HaTzadik, the hood of the generation, the Yehudi of the generation. So what does he do? He does what Yehuda did in, in this Parsha. He would not bow. He would not bend. He would not bow. Everybody else was bowing to the king and to Haman. And Mordechai would not bow. Of course, the question was, why, why won't you bow? So, 
what so it's the same kind of scenario and what what happened here so we know the king made a party and it was kiritsain ish ish to satisfy everybody and the gemara says what does it mean kiritsain ish ish the party was made to satisfy mordechai and haman mordechai is called ish yehudi and haman is called ish tsar v'ayev. <coughs> And in the Medrash, there are several perushim. The Medrash is asking a question, um, if a person wants to marry um, um, a, a, a woman, you know, which one is it? Is it this one or that one? Who gets to marry her if there's a ship that needs to have a north wind and a south wind? You know, different winds, which is either going to go that way or that way, etc. In life, in Gullus, it's either this way or that way. You only have two options in Gullus. And yet, and, and the same thing, at the party of Ahasuerus, this is, it was ridiculous. You can't satisfy Mordechai and Haman, Mahavdil. Mordechai wants pure Kedusha, and he will not bow to anything other than pure Kedusha. Haman wants pure anti-Kedusha. Well, let's look at it in modern terms. You have two parties, two sides, two, America divided into two, or so the media makes it seem. I don't know what the real truth is, how divided it is, and what's happening as we speak through the Yaisavatadik of the generation, by the minute, changing things. But ostensibly it looks like one side one party, the Democratic Party, was hijacked by an evil philosophy that said, get rid of Hashem and all his laws. No more, no more male-female marriage, family, no more this, no more that, no more, you name it. Whatever, is, whatever Hashem wants, we do the opposite. And we work very hard with the, the kayach of, let's say, lovem the tricky kayach to convince everybody, you know, with fraud, etc., that our anti-Hashem philosophy is a um, humanitarian philosophy. And you've got many Americans brainwashed on your side. Brainwashed to think Hashem is not humanitarian. If you want humanitarianism and you want to feel good, you need to do it the anti-God way. That's one, that's one way. And then there's another approach, which is we do it with God in mind. We do what Hashem wants. Now, of course, so it's the, well, which way are you going to do it? You know, what's going to be on January 20th or whatever it is? Who's going to win? And what's the other side going to do? Sure. <laughs> You know, when we listen to this year in the future and it's all done and it's after the fact, it'll be interesting to see, to look back and listen to this and say, wow, so that's the way they felt in those days. They didn't know what was going to happen, right? Another number of weeks. And this, this year will seem, uh, uh, what's the word, archaic? We'll know what happened. Right now we don't know what's in the envelope. What's going to be if he wins? Chaos. If he wins, chaos. What's going to be? You can't ask. What, are they going to both win? 
the Democrats and the Republicans are going to both win, that would be Kirtzayn Ish Ish. You can't have Kirtzayn Ish Ish. That's the point of the Medrash. You can't have a north wind and a south wind at the same time. You can't have, you can't have all of these. You can't have Haman Mordechai's way, which is, I will not bow to Avaita Zara. Sorry, let's do it backwards. Haman's way is Avaita Zara. He loves it. He believes in it. That's his philosophy. He's a Democrat. You know who he voted for. Right? If Haman were here today, we know he would be top in social media doing, you know, he is here today. He just has a different name. And we see what he's doing. And he's fully behind, philosophically, Avaita Zara. And proudly so. And comfortably so. The amazing thing is, because he's so polarized and he's so determined, he's pushing millions of Americans to start to want Hashem. So if that's the case, by the way, just... Is he our enemy? Is the Democratic Party our enemy? They're the enemies of Hashem, right? Yeah. But the interesting thing is, they're polarizing America. Their philosophy is so extreme that they're pushing many, many, many millions of Americans to want Hashem. I don't know if those Americans wanted Hashem a year ago. But they're being, but it's being polarized. So this guy who is against Hashem, he's our friend or he's our enemy? He seems like Paro, right? He just wants a Vaidazara. He says that he's God of the world. But then with this ugly Vaidazara philosophy, look what he's achieving. He's getting all these people to do tshuva. So is he really Paro? Or is he really Isis? Because Paro, Paro has an ability to get everybody to do tshuva? Probably not. Probably only when Paro is wearing a Paro costume, but he's really Yosef. It's a strange oxymoron. He's really Yosef. Yosef can get everybody to do tshuva. Paro? I don't know. So Paro is playing the the role. He's wearing a costume. Sorry, Yosef Tzadik is wearing a costume that looks like Paro, and it's really not Paro. So there isn't any Paro anymore? Is that it? All we have is Yehuda and Yosef. There are only two players in the whole world anymore. Is that true? Maybe. I don't know. And everybody's putting on costumes, and it's a big game. It's a game show. All for the purpose of bringing everybody to the recognition of Hashem Echad Maybe. So, but here we have... But the party, let's go back to the story of Forum. The party was made, Kirtzayn Ishva Ish, to satisfy two opposite needs. One is Kedusha, the other one is Avaita Zara. Okay? Um, now, how could Al Khashvarish ask for this? He doesn't know that. He doesn't know his customers. He doesn't know that Mordechai is the way he is and Lahavdil. Haman is the way he is. Why is he bothering to even try to do this? He doesn't know that they're coming from, <laughs> from two different points of view. 
Ah, so there must be an energy to Achashverosh. He's also a representative. That he's a representative of a, of a, an aspect of Hashem that enables opposites to coexist. So, right? So imagine that. In the world today, you cannot have opposites coexisting. You're either, you know, you're either a Democrat or a Republican. But on a level way above this, way above nature, you can have both happening simultaneously. Maybe that's called we the people, okay? So when you're speaking about the ways of the world, nature, and Mitzad Hashem, as he clothes himself in nature, Shem Elohim, it's either one way or the other. You get it's either Mordechai's way or Haman's way. So they're opposites. But when you're speaking about Hashem, higher, as he makes himself higher than the laws of the world, higher than nature, as it will be in Mashiach's times, then you can have both opposites coexisting. You can vote Democrat and Republican at the same time. Interesting, right? It, it, it almost, again, we're, in a few weeks, all of this is going to be um, sound funny because it's before the whole thing. But there's an interesting thing. There's an interesting idea that when, um, let's go back in history, when Hannah Hanavia, and this really has to do with um, Basi Lagani of this year, when Hannah Hanavia was davening for a child, she asked for a Zera Anashim. She asked for a child that would have the qualities of, I think, Shaul Melech and David Melech. One is Chachma, the other one is Malchus. Meaning, one, thing, one of the things about Shaul Melech is everything had to go through his mind. He had to think everything through. If it didn't make sense to him, he couldn't do it. That's how he, that's how he got caught. Shmuel Navi told him, destroy a Malik and every, everything connected to a Malik. And he said, but I was thinking that it makes more sense to... And Shmuel Navi said to him, I told you not to think. So Shmuel Melech was Chachma. Have to think it through. David Melech was total bittel, Malchus. I do what I'm told. Now, they're both very wise. And Mashiach will have both qualities. He'll be the wisest of all and most humble of all. And interesting that Shmuel HaNavi was the one who was given the qualities of both. That's what his mother asked for, that she should conceive, of, conceive and give birth to such a child. Chachma and, and Malchus. Chachma and Bittel and Kabbalah Zol. To, it seems like you're either somebody who thinks everything through and you can't have Kabbalah soul, or you have Kabbalah soul, but you can't really think too much in the, with the laws of the world. But there's a higher reality in which you can have both. So I'm just saying, so Mashiach has both those qualities. He's a teacher, he's a brilliant, he's beyond brilliant scholar, and yet he's total humility. So... 
this idea of an oxymoron, two qualities that don't fit together in Moshiach, this is clearly opening up the way for now going into Yemaisa Moshiach with this Kirtan Ish two different realities that fit together that normally couldn't. So, um, so, Akashvira, so what's going on? You know, which way do you do it? Satisfy him or him? So, remember, Akashverish was the one who was trying to put the two of them together. Who is he? Where did he come from? So, his source in Kedusha means Hashem. Akashverish, Zakarish Baruch and so Achashverosh, the, the aspect of Hashem that's above all the limitations, said, we're going to satisfy both extremes. How the world, how Hashem made the world, it's either that way or that way. Right? A person chooses. Do you want to do it Mordechai's way? Do you want to do it Haman's way? And you're given permission to do it either way. But that, but when we're talking about the ethnicist Ratan Ishraish, um, we're talking about opposite extremes. To do the way Ratan Ishraish, to be Yaisi, according to both of them, um, you can't do, because the Ratan of Mordechai is one thing, the Ratan of Haman is another thing. And let's look at it in a deeper way. It's not only because you have two opposite desires, Ratan, Mordechai, and Haman. But, as we said, the Yehudi, what's, why is he called the Yehudi? He won't bow. Kafar Bavaydazar, he denies Avaydazar. What Mordechai, what does he want? Not to bow down? Yeah, that's it? And also Yehuda, the Yigashalab Yehuda, not to bow down to the other guy. Okay, much more than that. A Vaidazar, he does, a Yehudi means Kaifer Vaidazar, the Maid Bechola Terakula. He denies a Vaidazar. Anything that's a Vaidashazar alike, anything that doesn't quite fit for a Jew, he walks away from. We're talking here about a reality. Ratan of Mordechai is, and the Ratan of Yehuda is, anything that doesn't quite fit you as a spark, as a leader, as a, as, as a representative of Mashiach, it's off, it's not for you. Anything that is not following, I was created for no reason other than to serve my maker. So I am being created every single moment. And therefore, um, the existence of the person in this world, every single moment we're being created, and therefore every detail in our life and every single moment is created for knowing Hashem in all your ways and serving Hashem with everything and knowing everything. Every single deed to be done on Hashem Shemaim and every single deed to be done to know Hashem. And the shlemus of it will be in the future.
So that's what Mordechai wants. That's all he wants. He doesn't, and he wants to reject anything that distracts him from that. Now, let's just start to sum it all up. Haman, right? We got Haman circulating around the United States. What does Haman want? Haman wants his, his Haman says the following. It's not that he just wants us to bow down to uh, the opposite of holiness. Haman says like this. Listen, hey guys, we're in this world, we're in Gullis, and we're under the limitations of nature. It is a world with the laws of nature. This is the good part of Haman, right? And therefore, we you can't like recognize that the laws of nature will limit what you can do. So, what is the Rebbe saying? To do the will of Ish Ish, Mordechai and Haman, can you be living a life in which you're satisfying the Mordechai in you and the and the Haman in you, Lahavdil? When a Jew finds himself in this world and in Gullus, and there are all of these limitations of nature, of the land, and they tell him to act in a certain way, these laws, these limitations. And they say, you can't do, if if you're within the laws of nature, there are certain things you're just going to have to give up. Let's say it in this in a different way. When we live in Gullus, the laws of the land and the laws of na- nature say, number one, you can't just you only have certain amount of power, and number two, you can't fight city hall. You cannot fight city hall. This is the way it is. This is the what the the land is deciding, and this is what the laws of nature are deciding, and you have to. Realize that if Haman is making, is, 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 is running certain things, you're not going to fight him. You've got it, you've got to do it the way the rules of nature say. But the Chiddush is that when we're connected with Hashem as he's higher than the world, then we can have two opposites happening. We can be in the world. And we can be in Gullus. And yet, we cannot bow down to anything that doesn't fit the deepest, highest Mashiach potential because we're, it, we can live way above it. We're in Aistes of the Sikha now. So now we have to understand the words of the, the, the Medrash. The Medrash is saying, you know, can you have a north wind and a south wind? Can you can you do can you have two opposites at the same time when you're in Gullus? No. But since Hashem put us in this world, and within this world He put us into Gullus, and He put us under the kingship of Achashverosh, and there's a din, there's a, lot, a din in Tyre, din in the Malchus Adina, follow the law of the land. We can think, for you know, remember we're under Achashverosh. And his henchman is Haman. We can think, gotta go Haman's way. 
we can think that when you're dealing with things of the world, not things of Tyranithus. Tyranithus, we have to do what we have to do. But we can think when it comes to things of the world, you know, vaccines and all that other stuff, it's, we can think that it's not Shayach in one shot that we can have two opposites. It's on Ish Ish. Are we going to do it Mordechai's way or Haman's way? The fact that we're under Achashverosh in Gullus, and yet, can we not bow down to the way the world is doing things? We think like this. If Hashem put us into Gullus, then we have to be limited by the rules of Gullus. We've got to do it Haman's way. And if we don't find ourselves, and if we're not in Gullus, then we can do it Mordecai's way and not bow down. So then we don't have to worry about Haman. We're done with him. So if we're not in Gullus, Haman doesn't exist. If we are in Gullus, then we have to follow it his way. So what do you do? So when it comes to things of Tara Mitzvah, that one's simple. You can't give in to Haman on things of Tara Mitzvah. So that one's very simple. But when we're talking about things of the world, more mundane stuff, things of the world, how could it be that we can do it Haman's way, we can be in the laws of nature, and at the same time not bow down to the laws of nature? So the Medrash says the following. There's a, um, that, that, this very idea, you're in the world or you're not in the world. The Medrash is saying that if you're in, the Medrash is saying that there's one way to bypass this contradiction. You can be in Gullus, you can be under the laws of nature, but if you connect it with yourself with Hashem on the highest level, you do not have to bow to the laws of nature. And you do not have to bow to the ways of the land that they're trying to impose on you. And that's what the Gemara means, Lasas Kirtan Ish Ish, to do it the way of Mordechai and Haman. Can you do it the way of Mordechai and Haman? In nature, but you don't bow down to the laws of nature? Yep. How? The Gemara is saying, because Mordechai stood with total bittle to Hashem. And he wouldn't bow down. And he denied Avaita Zara. And he stayed far away from anything that didn't make sense for a Jew, that didn't fit for a Jew. So that connected him with the power of Hashem higher than the world. Hashem has different ways that he expresses himself. In the world and above the world. So what Mordechai did is he connected with himself with Hashem as Hashem expresses himself above the world. And that gave him the Kayach, that gave Mordechai the Kayach, to be in Gullus, of, of the Gullus of Paras, of Persia, Iran, under King Ahasuerus, and not thou, and it had such an effect that it destroyed the Gezerah of Haman. And the Aliyah of Mordechai, Mordechai ended up being the Mishnah Lamelech. And Hashem gives this power over to a Jew. A Jew can actually achieve it. To be in Gullah and stand way higher than Gullah. 
that um, stated at the Taikov, he stands with the Taikov not only for doing Taranitsis, but for everything. Here's a here's a, a Chiddush, a revolution that's coming up now. So how can you do it? You're in Gullah, you know, Haman's territory, but you're doing it Mordechai's way. I don't bow to anything. I'm surely, I, I do things as if, I, I, I live within the laws of nature as, as if there are no limitations of nature. Ve'en hadavar tolui ela tersayna. It only depends on your will. There's a ge- difference between all the generations and now. In most generations, there were limitations from outside, from the from the lands, from the governments. They did not let a Jew stand in his full power against Gullus, higher than Gullus. They did not. In this generation. We can do it. We are able to do it. The Dereinu Zeh is the Tolui only in Nar Beretzayna of a Yid. In this generation, this depends on the will of a Jew. Solely. So, where do we get the Kayach to do this? Let's go back to Yehuda in this scenario. Yehuda is approaching Yosef. Let's go back to Yehuda as a king and Yosef as a king. Yosef at Tzaddik was the ruler of the land and the ruler of the world. Which that already shows that way back then as we started in Gullus, a Yid is already the Balabais uh, over the world and over the nation. That was already at the beginning. The minute we started Gullus, we were already the Balabatim. We were already the rulers over the world, but we had to step into realizing that. How did, where was that expressed through Yosef? Okay. But, but, how did Yosef get this position? Paro gave him that position. So that means that the leadership, the Malchus of Yosef, was still according to the rules of the land and the rules of the world. Paro gave it to him. But then there's another way. When it says only the the throne is bigger than you, Yosef is also connected. Yosef was connected a little bit with the limitations of the world and the shrines. But when we're talking, but so, right? So when we're talking about Yosef as the leader, he had the power, and we are in Gullus leaders. But a little bit connected to the nations of the world giving us that leadership. And there's another way. That we see from Yosef. What about from Yehuda? The Yiga shall have Yehuda. So Yehuda stood in this that he was... Um, he came to Yosef, and he did not ask for permission. 
He stood in his full, Yehuda stood in his full malchus. He didn't have his malchus because the non-Jewish king gave it to him. Nope. He had it from his very core, from his very essence. It shows on a power that does not deal with the ways of the world. You're talking about there a union of two opposites. Yehuda knew that he has to come to Yosef. He has to come to this ruler and ask for his brother back. And he said, you are like Paro. And so he understood that Yosef had the power, or this ruler, had the power to give Yehuda what he's asking for. And at the same time, Yehuda said, I am bypassing all of that. And so Yehuda came with full breitkeit, full power, and full confidence, as if he doesn't have to ask anybody for any favors. He came with power. And therefore, Vayigashalav Yehuda, from that we received the Kayach with the assistance of Yosef, the Yosef of our generation, that we should be able to Vayeshav Yisrael Beretz Mitzrayim Beretz Kayshin we should be able to sit in the best part of the land. And even though we find ourselves in Mitzrayim, in a place of Metar and Gvul, and even though we're under those governments, Vayesh of Yisrael, we are able to actually settle in here and expand and, and, and become the Balabat and, and, and multiply here. And that brings to Vayechi Yaakov Eretz Mitzrayim Shvayat that in Mitzrayim we can have good life. Eternal, eternally good life. And so, to sum it all up, now we understand, what does that have to do with Yehuda comes and begs. In the Haftaira, David does not beg for anything. He is the ruler. So, how did he get to be the ruler? Started off at the beginning of Gullus, the one who begs. He ended up, ends up at the end of history as the one who's in charge. How is that possible? Because the power of Yehuda, when he approaches Yosef, it comes through, Yehuda is from the word Haida. It comes through his Haida to Hashem. Higher than the ways of the world. And this is the preparation that gives the Kayaf to bring the Gulen to Sashlema. When we will have the David of connected with the Shlemas of the Kayach of Hashem. Putting two opposite things. That that brings the Yedua Gaim Our attitude brings the non-Jews to understand who is Hashem. Make the right choices. Vote for the right, etc. And so, The Rambam says, Melechem Mashiach will fight the words of Hashem and he will be Minateach. He will, he will be victorious. And then he'll transform all of the nations into one clear language. So the Kayach, for revealing this, for revealing the David Abdi Nasilahim the Kayach to reveal the Maila of Yehuda comes from what he did way back then. The Yigashalab Yehuda. He received the Hashpah from Yosef. As Yehuda, in this scene, in the Parsha, as Yehuda is approaching Yosef, 
on some level, he's getting this kayak from Yosef without consciously knowing yet that it is Yosef. He's, he's getting the kayak from Yosef to act with such chutzpah, right? He's acting with chutzpah towards Yosef, and yet he's getting the kayak from Yosef to act against Yosef. So we're saying, we're going back to this, we're saying the Kayach of Yosef to approach, the Kayach of Yehuda to approach with this broadness, with this chutzpah, to approach Yosef actually comes from Yosef. He receives the hashpa from Yosef. And through this that it's revealed, and through this it's revealed what the advantage of Yehuda is. He is ultimately the leader. It's leaning into that, this scenario of Yehuda. Approaching Yosef, or approaching Paro, he's leaning into the future and borrowing from the reality in the future when Yehuda will be the leader. And he's stepping into that for those moments. And he's ushering in the future by stepping into that future energy at that time. You know, psychologically it says that one of the ways we can change our brain waves and how our nerve cells um, fire together and bundle together, etc., etc., and how we do things is, and how we can break the habit of being you, as one psychologist says, is by leaning into the future rather than the past. So here, Yehuda is leaning into the future instead of the past. He's leaning into whom he will be in the future in a very powerful way. That in addition to the Bittel and the Kabbalah of Yosef and the power of Yehuda that he gets from Yosef, um, why is he coming to Yosef? To reveal his full power, as it will be in the future. So, now we, we said we're going to sum up, but we're really going to sum up. Now we understand what this scenario of Ayyiga Shalav Yehuda is about when it comes to our generation. Yehuda in his time, Mordechai in his time, what they were doing, good. At that time, they did what they did and they were amazing and there were horrific conditions outside of them. From the nations of the world, everything was block, 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 opposition, opposition. Gezeras Hayalatiya. Horrible Gezeras. A Yid could want, could be in his in his soul, a balabayas of the world, but he sure couldn't really step into it fully most of the time. And yet in our generation we see that this doesn't exist, is what they're ever saying. And the nations let us do the way we want, and therefore Ain Hadavar Toli Elabertainam of a Jew, of a Yid that it should be that we take over the world, as we already see in several places. And here at that time, this is 30 years ago, the Rebbe said, in America, etc., the fact that we are free to do this, to, to act the way we want, or it has been until now, and what we see now in the world is ace of taking up our cause that we were the 
we were the representatives of this cause, and of we were just always praying that of shouldn't give us a hard time, and now of is taking up the banner, taking up the flag and running with it. The flag of the banner of truth. It's unbelievable. And so in, in other years, they, it was harder. But now, and in recent years, it's easier and easier to Vayechazuva in every single place, bring Kedusha and bring truth to every single place. Because the world, not only the Jewish people, but the nations, are a keli, a vessel, to take in, in Yanam of Yiddishkeit, to take in truth, Saramissus, and Benegea to the Umas Ailam, the nations, the Shevamissus. And according to what the Friedrich said, Rebbe Ayat, the Yosef of the generation, we've done all the preparations for Geula, and now we have to be, bring down the Geula Bapayal into the physicality of the world and into the Chumrius of the world. So, we only have to open our eyes and we will see that the entire world is demanding that every single Jew should stand in a matav, a maimed, a matav, a shlema. This is the reason why we see now, we see that Yidin can stand we see that Yidin can stand with the full power in Balabatishkeit over the nations. The Ein Hadavar Toli Nothing stands in the way of doing it other than our will. Because we're right before the Geula, when it will be revealed that the David Nasi Lahem Laailam, the Ye and that David Amelech will be the ruler, the Yedu Agaim Ki Hashem, and all the nations will know that I am Hashem, who Hashem is. And therefore, it's expressing itself in our generation as a preparation for the Geula. And one last Nukuda. The Yiddish Alav Yehuda, together with the, the strength of the Avaida of Yaisif of our generation, the Rebbe Rayat, we also have a Yiddish Alav Yehuda, Mashiach, come immediately, the David Avdi Nasilam that comes with the help, with the assistance of Yaisif of the generation, and so all of this is being activated as we speak. And therefore it's understood, the limit for our generation. Through this, if we act in a way, act the way Yehuda acted, I don't back down, and we show in that Yiddishkeit, in Yiddishkeit, the power in Balabatishkeit that a Jew has, that the world was created and the world was created for a Jew to keep mitzvahs and for the whole world. The world was created for everyone to keep mitzvahs, for everyone to stand up for truth. That ushered in the reality of the David of the Ilam. And this is expressed through Hei The day of the Pidyan Shavuun of the Sfarim And so, and there are still many farms that have not been brought back to their home. 
but what can we do? And as the Rebbe says, everybody acquires farms, bring them into your, connect yourself to Tyra, acquire new farm, and bring them, bring them into the realm of the, the Jewish world, and do it in a very powerful way. And you hear often that when we expand our pa'ulas in dealing with farm and kedusha, in dealing with actual written farm of Tyra and make them ours, that will hasten the Vayigash of Yehuda, the Tidian Shavuim of Binyamin, that all the Svarim and Ksavim of Rabbathena and Nisiena will go back to their true place, the Yisrael Benish of the Bavl 770, the Gematria Parasa, and then be added to all the Svarim. And take of the Yad Mamish, it will bring the Tidian Shavuim of all sparks of Kedush in the world. And take of the Yad Mamish, we will go with our old, our young, our sons, our daughters, our gold and our silver, and everything that we have, our homes, including all our Svarim and Ksavim, to our Tainer of Kedusha, Yerushalayim, our Kedusha, Hara Kedusha, Beisim, Yerushalayim, Shalishi, Kedusha, Kedushim, where the Evanesha Sia is there without uh, the center of the world, without any change since the beginning of creation, and all of this take of me at Mamish.